been in this journey of talking about winning your war. And if you're new, you're going, well, what, what does that mean? Uh, it means that every single one of us has an inner dialogue. Every single one of us has a conversation that goes on in our heads. And some of you might be saying, are you admitting that you have voices in your head? Yes, I'm in, 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 I am admitting that I have voices inside my head, a voice of, of, of conversation about what I believe and what I think and what I feel and all those different types of things. And the reality is, is the Bible talks about the fact that we are always wrestling with truth and lies. And that we as followers of Jesus should be a people that are growing in truth and in love and in the likeness of God. As we just saying that we would become more like God. And for all of us, we're, we're in the midst of a war. We're in the midst of really learning more about who we are, about the truth, and less about um, really believing the lies that, that have um, come into our hearts, come into our minds. And so we've been going through this process of looking at what does Scripture say about this conversation, and what are steps that we can begin to do um, every single day to actually win the war of actually believing truth, not lies. It means set free from the things that, that capture us and hold us slave um, when it comes to our thinking. Um, and so we've been going through this process of looking at what does it look like every single week to take steps. Step number one, we talked about that you, we recognize that, that you have the power to choose your beliefs and thoughts and that you can win your war. You are not a victim. You can actually choose what you believe and what you don't believe. You can choose about the thought processes that are going on in our heads. And for a long time, some of you have been like, well, I think what I think, I can't control that. No, you can control and you can dictate what voice you listen to and what you feed. Number two, you can capture and take captive the lies of the enemy and make them obedient to Christ. You can learn and actually see that's a lie. I'm not gonna choose to believe that lie. I'm not gonna choose to live out of that lie from here moving forward. Step number three, we talked about this last week. You can begin to experience God's best when you learn to direct your, your thoughts to the truth and declare it over your life. And so learning to not only understand the lies that you believe maybe your whole life, understanding the truth that combats those lies, and then declaring truth over your life, saying, I'm, I'm not going to believe that anymore because this is what the Bible says about who I am and what Jesus has called me to. Now, for any of you guys uh, growing up, if you're my age, a little bit older, uh, anybody remember mixtapes? Mixtapes? For those of you guys that are like 20 and younger, you probably don't know what a mixtape is, but let me tell you, it was amazing. Um, <laughs> Because you got to choose what songs were on a tape. And, and so what you would do is you would spend all day in your room waiting for that one moment on the radio when that song would come on and you would run over to your jukebox or whatever you want to call it. I don't even know what you call them anymore. It's not a jukebox. Stereo. Thank you. Boombox. Thank you. I'm getting old. Anyway, boombox. Run over to the boombox. And you always had to push two buttons, play and record at the same time to catch the whole song. And then what you would do is you'd spend the rest of your day and wait for that next song, play and record. That way, you had the opportunity later to then go and listen to that song, rewind it all the way back on the cassette player, right? Wait, 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 push play. Oh, gotta keep going a little bit further. Push play and repeat and wait and repeat and play it over and over and over and over again. Um, for those of you guys that just push play on your like little device and listen, push the repeat button, you guys don't know the joy of a mixtape <laughs> and the process we had to go through. But this was the pattern. 
This was the pattern that we, we did growing up, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, all through high school. This is a pattern that we followed. And every single one of us, we have patterns that we follow. The patterns, uh, honestly, they didn't start with us. The patterns in which we think and how we approach life, they didn't start with us. The, the way you think, it didn't start with you. It started with somebody else. But here's what we need to know about the patterns that we, we follow and the patterns that take place in our inner dialogue. There's a pattern that takes place. Are you aware of the pattern? Are you aware of the, the dialogue? And even though you might be for the first time, well, that's just how, that's just the truth. No, no, no. Have you ever thought maybe whatever pattern of belief that you are living in is like the hamster wheel? You just keep going. You keep going on the treadmill, but have you ever thought to stop and go, I'm not going to run on this treadmill anymore? Every single one of us has a pattern of what we do, a mixtape that we play over and over and over and over again. And what God is inviting you into, would you be willing to maybe decide that even though the pattern didn't start with you, but it can end with you? The pattern can end with you. You can change the pattern. You can change the mixtape that goes on repeat in your brain over and over and over again. Bible talks about it in Romans chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles, turn there. If you've got your phones, you can go there. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul is ending Romans right about this section from, from chapter 12 on. He's starting to get really tactical about how you live a transformed life in Christ. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or you're a Gentile. You're all part of the family of God. And this is what it means to then be transformed by Jesus. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Everybody say Pattern to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. First thing we need to recognize is there is a pattern of the world. There's a pattern of how the world lives and operates and wants you to think. There is a mixtape of the world. And what is that mixtape? From my perspective, it's often anxiousness. It's fearful. It's negative, it's scattered, it's overwhelmed. This is the pattern of the world. This is how we think, this is how we approach things. And if you think about it, like even in regards to our inputs, the things that we put into our hearts and our minds when it comes to culture, these are the fruitful things that they want to see take place. They want you to be afraid. They want you to be angry. They want you to be overwhelmed. In fact, if I just go and look through all the inputs of information when it comes to news, it's really built around that. How can I get you angry? How can I get you overwhelmed? How can I get you um, flustered and scattered? But that's not anywhere found in Scripture, the fruit of the Spirit. Abiding in Jesus does not lead to those parts of the pattern of the world but would you be willing to think about what it would look like to pattern your life around the opposite of those things? Instead of anxiousness, would you think about calm? Having calm in your home, calm in your soul, a calmness, a fearlessness, a positivity, a focused, a peace, as Paul says, a peace that surpasses all understanding, that no matter what you have coming into your life, you live with peace. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, Paul says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you enter into your day? I know for me, 
When I'm distracted and when I'm scattered, here's how my day starts. I get up, I go to my office, I go to my living room, wherever it's quiet, and I initially try and enter in with Jesus. But here's what happens. I check a couple things I shouldn't check. I check my text messages. Sometimes I get those in the middle of the night. I check my email. I check my Facebook. And then all of a sudden, the spiral starts to take place. Anybody there with me? All of a sudden, I am sucked into all the things and worries of this world and this life. Instead of saying, nope, I start following the pattern of the world. Consuming my life and my heart with the things that actually aren't going to give me life and purpose and direction and focus and all the things that Jesus wants for you and for me. Instead, what I should be doing is Psalm 16 says this. This is the pattern of a disciple of Jesus. How do you enter the day? Psalm 16, I have set the Lord, what's that next word say? I've set the Lord continually. Well, I did it once. That's good. Continually. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also dwell securely. The writer in Psalm is saying, I have set the Lord before me continually. Every single day, every single day, every single day, over and over and over again, I'm going to confront the pattern of the world and I'm gonna choose to allow God's voice, Jesus' voice to speak over me to interrupt the inner dialogue, to interrupt the mixtape that's going on inside of me, whatever's on repeat. And I'm gonna start focusing on truth. And when we do that, Romans chapter 12 starts to take place. God begins to renew our minds. Ephesians 4 puts it this way, but that is not the way you learn Christ, Paul says, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. When you choose to follow Jesus and you accept him as Lord and Savior, you believe, you confess, you repent, you get baptized. That's what you do if you want to be a follower of Jesus. But putting Jesus before you continually is not just a one-time decision. It's an everyday decision. If Jesus is Lord, if he is Lord of my life, if I want to experience his kingdom and this relationship and all that he has to offer me, I put him before me continually, which is no different than what you do in your closest relationships, correct? If you went to your wife and made a marriage vow and said, I'm going to talk to you and then I'm going to make a marriage vow, just like we talk a covenant of old, a promise, and then we never talk to our spouse from that move forward, how would your marriage be? Not good. But that's what we do with Jesus. We make a commitment to him and then we quit talking to him and we allow him to quit talking to us. Come before the Lord continually. Place him before you continually. And when you begin to do that, he begins to renew your mind. He begins to change the way you think. He begins to change the way you live because he is in the business of renewing and changing lives 
your life. I think I've quoted Caroline Leaf every single week. I'm gonna quote her again. If you're getting tired of her, I'm sorry, she's brilliant. You should listen to what she has to say, okay? She's a Christian pathologist and neuroscientist. Those things go together. They can go together. She says this, current neuroscientific and quantum physics research confirms that our thoughts change our brains daily. Isn't that amazing? I said it last week. God is the most powerful thing in the world. The second thing is your brain. And your thoughts, what you think about yourself and the world, it changes your brain, changes the way you live. In fact, neurological literature has coined the term self-directed neuroplasticity as a general description of the principle that deep thinking, meditation, prayer, worship, going to God's word, that deep thinking changes brain structure and function and actually heals your brain. This plastic ability of the brain to change in a positive or negative direction depending on our state of mind is called the plastic paradox. Positive plasticity produces positive behavior and negative plasticity produces negative behaviors the pattern didn't start with you but you can end the pattern of the toxic lies that the enemy wants to tell you because he wants to steal kill and destroy and the Lord wants to give you life you can change you can win your war and Jesus will renew your mind when you position yourself correctly. I'm going to say that again. Jesus will renew your mind when you position yourself correctly. Step number four, you can position yourself for God to renew your mind through prayer, submission, and reframing your perspective. Reframing your perspective. How do you position yourself to be renewed? Number one, we've got to be willing to be committed to prayer. We have to be committed to coming and having a conversation with Jesus every day. Prayer. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. How do you position the Lord before you continually? You go to him with prayer every day. You've heard me say this before. Instead of listening to the noise of the radio while you're driving down the road, heading to work, what if you turned it off and had a conversation with God? Well, I already prayed to God. Keep talking to him. Keep talking to him. Talk to him all day long. How do you position yourself to, to have God renew your mind? Pray. Spend time praying. Number two, would you submit to him and surrender to him? Proverbs 3 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, what's it say up there? In all your ways, submit to him. Surrender to him. We, we like having Jesus saving us from our sins, we like him to be our savior, but do we like him to be our Lord, our boss? Where we submit to him, where we surrender to him, where we say, you get to dictate how I live my life because, not because I, I'm shamed or guilted, but because the reality of is what, is what is good from God, there's nothing else you'd rather do than submit and surrender to him because of how good he is. Because you've tasted his faithfulness to, to you. You've, you've tasted his forgiveness and his grace to you. And it's that that inspires you to go, you know, I, I want to serve this amazing God that loves me. I'm going to submit to him. I'm going to surrender to him. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. Oh, I, I'm just trusting my heart. Your heart will deceive you. Your heart will deceive you. Your heart also will lead you to to amazing, amazing things of the Lord. 
but are you willing to ask the question, is this what the Lord would want me to do? And when Jesus says no, do you wrestle with that and do you eventually surrender or do you say, no, I'm gonna do it my way? Those who put the Lord before you continually are people that don't lean on their own understanding but in all their ways submit to him and he's gonna make your path straight. Number three, for some of us, we've gotta reframe our perspective. We've gotta reframe our perspective. Listen to Paul in Philippians chapter one. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me sucks. I wanted to spread the good news to government officials through preaching, but that hasn't happened. Instead, I'm in jail. And as a result of this hell that I've been through, I've come to the conclusion that prayer doesn't work, the spirit doesn't renew my mind, and Jesus isn't real. Anybody read that translation before? That's not a real translation. But that's how we see the world oftentimes. When we look at our circumstances, this is what comes out of our heart. This is the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. This is what Paul could have said in Philippians, but he didn't say that. I mean, if you think about it, his situation was horrible compared to what he had probably envisioned. But I want you to listen to what Paul has to say. He says this in chapter one, verse 12. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and are boldly speaking about God's message without fear. Two different perspectives, huh? Two different frames from which you see a situation. Paul said, I had a plan. God's got a better plan. This is what I was gonna do. This is what happened. Here's what I wanna tell you. What God is doing, what Jesus is doing. Craig Rochelle puts it this way. You cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it, how you see it, what kind of perspective that you have. And oftentimes for some of us, we look around and we just look at the the situation and go, it's horrible. Is it? Probably. But what is a greater work that's actually taking place in the midst of struggle? What is the greater thing that's happening? What is Jesus doing? And here's the thing is it requires us to be in relationship with each other. It requires us to be in real community. And I love worshiping with you and I love opening up the word of God together. But we've gotta be in real relationship in home groups where we can have people in our lives and go, I am sorry what's happening to you. It is horrible to empathize with you. But eventually says, I want you to see the greater thing that's actually taking place in your life. Would you be willing to have a different set of lenses to see the world from in this current situation? And oftentimes we don't like that. Oh, I don't like that. Why? Because I like to feel sorry for myself sometimes, just to be honest with you. And so do you. But would we be willing to look at our perspective, our circumstance, and go, there's something greater in the kingdom that's happening. And that's what I've called my allegiance to, is to Jesus and his kingdom even though it's difficult and even though it's hard the kingdom of God is at work and moving forward Jesus said violently would you be willing to reframe your perspective if we're going to reframe our perspective Craig Rochelle talks about this in his book Winning the War in Your Mind he says we have to understand cognitive uh, bias what is this cognitive bias here's what it is it's a distorted lens from which you see things 
It's a deviation from reality and how we see and process things. It's the reason why you could have one person that has a job in or, or job um, review and gets feedback and the one person goes, that's really good feedback. That can help me grow and get better. Have the same exact conversation with someone else and they go, I don't agree with that. I'm really upset with the feedback they gave me. Why? Because the filter from which you see the world Another example might be coming to this worship service. Some of you come in and go, I didn't like it. Why? Because you have a filter from which you see what truth is supposed to look like. And for some of you coming and go, I love this worship service. Why? Because you have a filter from which you see things. Would you be willing to maybe realize that maybe your cognitive bias, that you live with one, it's the reason why for some of you, when you hear the term that God is our heavenly father, you cringe from within because you had a father that was not a good father. And you can't see God that way. How could God be like that? And for some of you, when you hear about God being a heavenly father, you go, oh, I know what that's like because I had a good dad growing up to show me love and kindness and forgiveness. We all have a filter from which we see the world. Would we just be willing to maybe be honest about that filter? Because when we get, begin to be honest about it, we can then actually recognize it and actually choose to then not live through that filter. What does this look like? We've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks. Would you be willing to write down the lies that you believe in? Lies. And as we recognize the lies, we then write down truth. And then last week we talked about declaring, put a declaration statement over your life. I'm not gonna believe that lie anymore. I'm not gonna allow the enemy to convince me of that lie. I'm gonna walk in the truth. Here's the next step. Would you be willing to understand your cognitive bias? Write it down and reframe it. I'm gonna give you an example of mine really quick. My worth, I told you this before, a couple weeks ago, my worth is based upon my performance. If I perform well, I'm valuable. That's my lie that I wrestle with, one of many. Here's my cognitive bias out of that lie. I'm going to work hard to prove my worth. No one will work harder than me. I will control how people view me and my value. Anybody else struggle with that? What this leads to in my life is workaholism. Workaholism. Because my value is based on what I produce. That's how I have to, I have to look at that and go, am I really doing what I'm doing out of good, pure, loving, truthful motives? Or is there something else inside of me that's driving me? So how do I reframe my biases and control issues? This is what I say. My worth has already been established by God. My work is not driven by dictating my value, but instead to show how amazing my God is and to use the giftings he has given me for the glory of his name and to serve others. I trust the results of living in that reality. And so when I've done enough work for the week, I say I'm done. Because I'm not on my throne. Jesus is on his throne and he can spin the world without me. Therefore, I will rest. Now, I wish I could tell you that I'm good at that every single week. I'm not. I'm not. I have good weeks. I have bad weeks. But here's what I want to tell you. After 17 years of ministry, compared to where I was when I was 20, to where I am now, I'm a lot better than I used to be. Because Jesus is changing me, renewing me, transforming me because he's good and when we put him before us daily continually he begins to renew 
our minds. You can position yourself for God to renew your mind through prayer, submission, and reframing your perspective, but it's gonna require you to put him before you over and over and over again. Again, you've been saying, I've been doing this, Justin. Why isn't it working? Why isn't God showing up? Let me just tell you this. Ecclesiastes chapter three talks about this reality. He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its, what's it say? In its time. In its time, God will show up. In its time, he will show up. He also has planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing and nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Yet man cannot find out or comprehend or grasp what God has done, his overall plan from the beginning to the end. This is what I want you to know. If you're willing to keep yourself devoted, if you're willing to put Jesus before you continually, he's gonna show up in your life because he promises that. He says, if you come and you seek and you ask and you knock, I will be there and I will open the door. He will show up in your life. And let me give you an example of what that looks like. We just had a winter retreat. Our students went up and it was an amazing weekend for the youth ministry here at our church. You go ask the youth. I thought over and over again, we're hearing stories of life transformation taking place. Here's what we don't often recognize. Do you know how many hours the youth team prepared for that weekend? Hours, Joe and his team. And we say, well, yeah, well, of course, like, that's what you're supposed to do. Here's the thing. There was a moment where Joe said, if you want to experience God this weekend, you have to position yourself to actually experience God. And so there's gonna be a devotional time of prayer. And guess what? You get to choose whether you show up or not. Man, the youth retreats I grew up in and I led when I was growing up, I was like, no, you're gonna be there regardless. I mean, that was a risky move by Joe. I was like, you did what? I'm like, uh, no, no, no. We're praying, worshiping. He let them choose. And guess what? The vast majority of them showed up and prayed and spent time with the Lord. And do you know what that led to? One of the most powerful weekends in the history of our church for our youth as God worked through worship, as he worked through the word, as he worked in the hearts of people. Why? Because the youth positioned themselves and put the Lord before them continually all weekend long. This is what happens. And what Jesus is doing is he's starting to reframe these kids' perspectives on how the world actually operates, about who they are, about whose they are, who they belong to. With everything that we have, we have to continually show devotion to the Lord, to continually put him before us. And guys, in our society, we don't live. Back to the mixtape. Like, remember how hard we had to work for that mixtape? We live in a world that's like instant. I got an Instapot a couple months ago. Oh my gosh, you guys. Changing my life. One dinner at a time. I'm telling you. It is so good. But the best things in life aren't microwaved. The best things that Jesus has for us, he wants us to continually come before him and to seek him because what that actually does, it sifts us. It shakes us to what we really value, what we really care about, what we're really motivated by. And there's these moments, these mountaintop moments where we go before the Lord, we go before the Lord, go before the Lord, and all of a sudden the Lord reveals himself in an amazing, amazing way. 
Because there's a certain element where God's like, do you want to hear from me? Do you want to hear from me? Do you really want to trust me? So as we wrap up today, I just want to ask you, or remind you, Jesus is going to renew your mind if you position yourself correctly. You've got to, you've got to prepare your heart. You've got, to, you've got to prepare your mind. And you've got to do it daily. Not just whenever. You can position yourself for God to renew your mind through prayer, submission, and reframing your perspective. Some of you have a bias to always think negatively. Would you maybe for, for the first time be able to recognize that, see it, and go, I'm gonna change the way I see things. I'm gonna change the way I approach this circumstance. I'm gonna change what I think about this situation. And I'm gonna trust God and his goodness in it. Your renewed mind sends you out on mission with Jesus because that's what takes place. Jesus begins to empty us of our selfish motives and he, he moves us to a place of selfless, selflessness where we realize that everything that's been given to us is meant to be given away. It's meant to serve others and to love on others. And when we choose to position ourselves to have our minds renewed through prayer and submission and reframing our perspective, we enter into the world as a new people. A new people that have new thoughts, new visions, new realities that we want to see that actually make the world a world that's surrendered to Jesus' kingdom. Jesus doesn't just save us and then we just wait until he comes back or we go to be with him. He says, no, I have work for you to do. Bringing heaven and earth together. But he wants to invite you into the process of trusting him and surrendering to him over and over again. Jesus has won the ultimate war. We talk about this. But he's inviting you to the journey of winning your war. I just want to touch on this really briefly as we wrap up. In Louis Giglio's book, uh, Do Not Allow the Enemy to Seat at Your Table, he talks about the seven seeds from God. And these are the seven. I just want you to look at them. These are the things that God wants to put into your, your heart, into your mind. And when these seeds get planted in your heart and your mind, they will lead to a fruitfulness in your heart and in your life actually pretty amazing but for every single one of those seeds there is a lie that combats that reality and what I'm asking you to do this morning as we get ready to go to communion is which one of those do you read and you go I don't believe that one and maybe you're not adamantly like I don't believe that one maybe it's like eh, I don't know about that but whatever which one it is, I'm asking you to identify it and ask you to go, I don't know if I believe Jesus about this. I mean, can I really, really be loved? Can I really be loved? I mean, I've messed it up so many times. Whichever one is yours, I just want you to, to talk to Jesus about that one this morning as we get ready to go to communion. And for some of you, Today's the day where you decide, no, I, I'm claiming Jesus' love for me and over my life this morning for the first time. I'm trusting and believing him for that. We sing it, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for you. Why? So that you could experience all this, all of this.
So let's get ready to go have a meal with Jesus, have a conversation with him about these realities that he wants to see in your life.